Have you uh, started watching Dahmer yet? No, because I watched Mindhunter, and that, that really made me like look at people a certain way. <laughs> so I'm not was, sure I want to want to see this. You know, necessarily was, not be able to fucking sleep. It was uh, made very well, uh, but there is like a zero percent chance that dude does not need some form of therapy coming out of that. Oh, for playing the guy. Yeah. Sort of like how um, Heath. Yeah. Oof, Mr. Ledger. Yep. All right, sir. Well, we are doing this. Season three, episode 18, stats don't matter. Lucky or unlucky week seven. I don't know, Tim. You might have been a little unlucky, but your boy was lucky with the picks. Uh, Week seven's in the books, and we're going to preview week eight. See what it has in store for us in our cups this week. As a coffee stout from a brewery I think you know of in Freeport, Maine, because you think I'm a fucking hater, Tim, but I am not always a hater. (laughs) So I wonder where that came from. And uh, you got a hoppy Blondale from Hamilton, Ontario. What's in my cup? Across the board. Let's go. Follow us on Instagram at Stats the Matter and on Twitter at Stats Podcast. All things beer and sports. You know where to find us. Everywhere you get your podcast. Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Alexa. Tim, let's get into the show. Let's go. My body is ready. Tim. You know, there are just some breweries that are iconic. I don't even have to show you the front label of this, but you already know whom this belongs to. This is a 16.9 ounce bottle, white label. It is Mino Tom. Fall. Ooh, fall. Fall from Maine Beer Co. Mino Tom is, is definitely one of my favorite beers. King Titus is my favorite Maine Beer Co. beer. But uh, listen, here in Virginia, we got past fake winter and second spring and fall and everything. We just had an 80s the other day. And now we're going down. 60s, 50s <laughs> is coming. So it's officially fall to me. That's that's how I feel like this. And I seen this on the shelf there and I said, I got to grab this. I got to grab this because Tim thinks I don't do anything except shit on Maine Beer Co., which I don't. I just don't like lunch. There's a difference. And this is my proof. Now, I remember the old caps. This is how old I am, craft beer was. The old Maine Beer Co. caps just used to be like straight silver. This one has like the little uh, grain on the top of it that's from their logo. It's like superimposed or like laser etched on there. That's super that's cool. cool. I might have to. I have like a a bottle cap map that uh, my mother in law got me for Christmas, and I have a whole bunch of beer caps on there. And I might need to swap one of those out with this thing because that's that's pretty dope. Okay, here we go. Coffee stout, nice dark, very dark and rich uh, brown. Oh, might not be able to see it, but I really like when a beer just sort of settles like that. You see that? Oh, yeah, that's so cool. Um, and now it's going to take a minute because I poured like an asshole. Okay. Well, do you want me to do mine then? Here we while, go. While we're waiting. Cause you know, it'll, it'll be good. About a minute. Three uh, let's see. Cup of, of head retention there. <laughs> hey, at least it has head retention. It says as the leaves begin to change and cooler nights predominate, we celebrate the turn of the season with a new beer fall developed from our former pilot brew series and is stout made with cold brew coffee that was selected by our friends. At coffee by design. Uh, coffee by design is a, Little main place. I used to give kids a lot of shit uh, when I went to USF back in the day about drinking coffee <laughs> by design. What's wrong with Dunkin's? And now, like, people are like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts makes a beer. Like, they collaborate on a beer with Harpoon. And I'm like, yeah, okay. But what about the coffee by design? What about the speckled axe beers? What about what about the Venetian coffee beans? That's what I want. Uh, so yeah, this this is uh, it's gonna be pretty good here. I just keep talking because the head still has not gone down. Well, while you're looking at that, I, I won't drink my beer yet, but um, I'm going to raw dog mine right out of the can. 
Because I got a, uh, I got a new toy. A new beer drinking accessory. If yeah, you I'm glad that you said that because anyone who listens to this episode listens to the last like 35 seconds. If that's only, if that's what they just came in because they didn't, they don't want to listen to the first 10 seconds of us talking. Yeah, they're gonna think I have the wrong stats don't matter episode. They might think that stats do matter. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna raw dog it uh, with some new toys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> normally we'd pour it in a fancy can, but I got, I got. I got hit by Instagram. It got me. The algorithm fed mm-hmm. me hook, line, and sinker. Uh, and I got one of these guys. We are not. Oh, this, is, yeah. this is not a sponsored podcast by any means. I'm just talking about it because I love this thing. Uh, it's called the Frost Buddy, and yeah. it's a koozie. Except it's like an all-in-one koozie. So anybody who has seen your rich friends walk around with like a yeti with their white claw in it knows generally what i'm speaking about because that's yeah. what this is it's it's designed to fit cans however it doesn't fit just one size can like the yetis you have to buy like multiples so what it has is it's sort of like aluminum insert that looks like this so by default it'll fit whatever can and bottle you want to put in there all nice and snug and shit and keep it cold for 14 hours if you want to, you know, nurse your drink. But if you put this little sucker inside of here, this little guy, and look, it even drains so it doesn't, like, get gross underneath. <laughs> it'll fit, like, a regular bottle or <clears throat> this regular can of water, right? Fits in yeah. here. Fits in here. Nice Coors Latte. Yeah, a little CL smoothie. Fits right in there, closes the lid. <laughs> you really just said that? A little steel smoothie. <laughs> That's great. That's great. You, never, you, you don't call them that? Uh, no, I don't. Um, ah. I, I, I pref- I, I'm a snob and I only, I only really like to drink the yellow label. Ah, but, no, no, no. I, I, got, I, got, I got them all going. So Bud Light, Mill Light, whatever, whatever's, whatever's clever, as the youth say. As the Utes. Um, so anyway, this thing was clutch. It was like 30 bucks. Holds all my shit and keeps it all uh, very cold. So that is what I'm going to be drinking my my beer out of today. But is yours finally ready? Or are we still waiting? Yes. Yes, look okay. at this. It still has okay. almost, uh, almost an inch and a half ahead on it. Um, but okay, yeah. This this is fantastic. I had retention and a beer. Obviously, it's probably the best I, I think I've seen in this podcast thus far. A lot of coffee notes, which I expect. Here we go. Oh, yeah. On the stout side, a little thin. To me, this could be a coffee porter. Probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference unless I read the label. But ton, ton of coffee bean flavor. Absolutely love that. Um, I, I think that's a kind of beer that I like to identify with in the fall. Not a pumpkin beer. Not a basic. Uh, did, did you say a beer you identify with? Yeah, as in like I, I with, with a as a stout drinker. <laughs> yeah, don't look at my untapped check-ins because I definitely wouldn't identify as a stout drinker. But I'm, <laughs> right. I'm coming around. This is stouts in back-to-back weeks, there, Tim. Mm-hmm. One barrel aged and one not. So I can uh, I can get behind it. Like I said, it's a little on the thin side. I'm gonna give it uh, a three eight. Definitely good. Definitely gonna finish it. I saw it on the shelf in the you know fall time. So late September, probably to like. I don't know. Early February. I'm going mean, to drink it. I mean, if it's thin, you should be able to drink it year-round, right? 
Yeah, but you know, sometimes I don't think I could drink this in the summertime though. Yeah. You got a, a stout mix for a, a good like breakfast beer. I was gonna say that. Yeah, this is definitely something that like you know, a breakfast or like uh, or like uh, a dessert beer. Like you get like a nice adjunct stout during the winter. Mm. I mean during the yeah. summer. All right, what did you rate it? I missed yeah, it. Good. Uh, three eight. Three eight. Okay. All right. So I was perusing the local packy, and uh, my wife had a bunch of her girlfriends over this week, so or this weekend. So I went to get them some wine and, and some beverages and whatnot. And I was like, all right, let me just see what they got here. And I saw from the other side of the store a label, which <clears throat> to the naked eye seems relatively. Uh, non-discreet. It's, uh, I'll describe it to you, and, and, and fans of, uh, should be able to pick this up pretty quick, but it's basically a hand, uh, in the shape of a pistol pointing towards a closed fist. Now, that doesn't give it away. Uh, it is adorned in these geometric shapes, but both the hands and the shapes around it are all jewels, because... Lo and behold, this collective arts beer that I'm drinking is a collaboration with Run the Jewels, which is one of my favorite rap groups. If you're not sure who they are, go yeah, out and who, give them a listen. Who are they? Run do, the Jewels? You know that, yeah. For, for the listeners who don't know. Oh, and I'll tell head. you why. But tell, there's tell two members. Why. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, a, it's kind of a long story. I don't want, I'll tell you after, you after you rate the beer. Okay. All right. Let me... Uh... <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> uh, totally not off topic. Uh, but this one, so Collective Arts, I think we talked about it once before, um, is a, a, a beer that ties really closely to the art community. Uh, all their cans are designed by the community themselves, or, or in this case, uh, a rap group made out of LP and Killer Mike. Um, mm. They they're kind of they kind of take like an underground approach to their music releases. So this wasn't something I saw promoted anywhere or discussed anywhere. I just happened to see the can and think. At first, I was like, "No, is that like trademark infringement?" Because it's a very very clear sign uh, on all of their albums. They all have that same uh, hand gesture pointing at a, a fist in like different states. Um, but I was like, "Oh shit!" And I picked it up. Turn it around, and sure enough, Run the Jewels is right on the back of it. It's a double, I mean, it's a it's a dry-hopped blonde ale called Get It. It's made with Citra and Enigma. Um, it is like something I was excited for. I was trying to get a little bit out of that IP range, uh, IPA range. I'm getting a shit ton of stouts coming in the next few months, so I wanted to kind of pump the brakes on those a little bit, but picked it up. It says, uh, one part craft beer, one part canvas. Collective Arts is a fusion of creativity featuring talents of emerging artists through our global call for art and allows you to uh, scan a QR code and, and submit yours. But this one is a limited release, so I don't know. I mean, they distribute all over the place. Uh, I see them a lot, so if if you like the if you like the, that group, I'd run out and get it, but let's try the beer. This is why I'm raw dogging it because it's coming right out of the my my frost buddy instead of a glass. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Smells fantastic, actually. 
a lot of times you have like blondes or lagers or pilsners they smell like college or like a uh like a brewery mm. this one almost has like a ipa kind of florally sort of sweet smell to it which is kind of interesting Yeah. Yeah, it is really good. I was I was half expecting it to be super light. Um considering that they market it as a blonde, but it's not. Like I would almost put this into the same realm flavor wise as like a hoppy cream ale or even like a pale ale. Um but it's like super light. The mouthfeel feels almost identical to the Coors Light can I have open open next to me, but it's full flavored. Objection. Lead the witness. <laughs> this is this is phenomenal. Um, it gives you enough of that hot flavor without being an over the top IPA. It's not a New England IPA. It's not a West Coast style IPA. It's just a a lighter beer with a little hoppy punch to it, like it's a a hoppy blonde ale, which is where the dry hopping comes from. Give it one more little. Without the without the cool toy, yeah, yeah. Without without doing what again? Without without <laughs> rock hogging in the cool toy. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah, that is that is really that is really nice. It's I would say if I was if I was rating this as like a blonde or or like a, a lager pilsner or something, like that, it's one of the better ones I've ever had in that in that realm. Overall, I'd say I'm going to give it like a, a four two. I would if you see these. Damn. I would definitely grab one of these, and I'm going to go back tomorrow and see if I can pick up... Uh, I think they only had one four-pack left. So if you live in Connecticut, uh, don't go beer shopping tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to run out and get those. That is phenomenal. I would drink I would drink that all the time. I, I, do, I do tend to, um, in the, the winter months, I don't, I don't go straight porter or, or, or stout. You know, I, I will dabble and get some you know, lagers and pilsners and uh, uh, dry out blind ales. And even even wild ales, you know what I mean? Just just to get something to be nice and funky while the uh, yeah. weather's funky. Yeah. Uh, so so the story about uh, about Run the Jewels, mm-hmm. it's made up of two artists, right? Killer yep. Mike and who's the, who's the other person? LP. And his real name is LP. Okay. <laughs> I, a, a couple months uh, ago, I'm in New York City for work. Jamie Maline. Right. A couple months ago in New York City for work uh, in Long Island City. So I'll go to LIC Beer Project. Yeah. Reputable um, NYC brewery. Pretty good. So I'm in there and there's not a lot of people. It's like a Tuesday night or whatever. And they're having some, I'm having just everything they got on the menu. Pails, IPAs, double IPAs. Your boy's going to town. The only thing I'm not hitting is the, the barrel aid stuff they have on tap because I need to, I need to be able to walk back and be presentable for the meetings the next day. Right. Uh, and there's this couple next to me and they're talking about like, New York rappers, New York MCs, and ranking them. And I, I don't know, but I, like I asked a dumb question. I was like, oh, like what about like run the jewels? And the guy turned and looked at me and he goes, yeah, that's why LP is on the list. <laughs> I, just, I, just, like, I never felt so small in my life. I was like, fuck. <clears throat> hey, uh, bartender, yes, could I get another one? And then one for my friend here who's the musical savant because I like, clearly... Walked into that fucking one, and I have no idea what I'm talking about. I was like, "Yeah, you know, like white MCs." Like, oh yeah, like who's LP? He's like that guy from Run the Jewels. Oh, you should have said, "Oh, I'm I typically know him as Laserface." <laughs> no, I had I had no idea. That is that is also no idea his, whatsoever. Uh, AKAs. 
yeah, he he definitely he called me on my shit and uh, yeah, my ass was out. So that that was the, the whole conversation ended up being about like white MCs, and then it morphed into people like MCs from New York City. And I just comp- I only listened to like half the conversation like a dumbass. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna hop in and add some value to this bar conversation, and it got thoroughly owned. So kids. <laughs> Read the Wikipedia pages before you hop into someone else's conversation. But okay, let's let's recap some of these games here from last week. Uh, I'm going to bury the lead right now. You got two out of three right. I got three yeah. out of three right. So all time, you have seven and I have six, which is exactly why I want to fucking do this. Right? Because your boy, sometimes when I'm on, I'm on. Sometimes when I'm not, I'm really not. So if I can pick 18 <laughs> games versus three, smaller sample size is pretty good. Um First one I'm going to talk about, Chiefs 49ers. Uh, Greg Davis, big Niners fan, right? This is the problem. The Niners now have Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. It don't matter. It don't matter. When there is something else that's like, I think that the team happened to be missing, and I'm not really quite sure what it was, but the game started out okay. Um, There seemed to be some, eh, maybe that could have been pass interference. Maybe that could have been holding. But generally, like the refs were sort of letting them play in the beginning. And then the Chiefs just do what the Chiefs do. Start going ahead and getting some turnovers. They go ahead and just start putting long drives together. And I think this is an area where Mahomes has probably matured a little bit. He doesn't need to just chuck it down the field all time because Hill is just exploiting matchups. They can methodically dink and dunk down the field now. Um, they have a couple running backs that they can rotate through. Defense is not fantastic by any stretch of the imagination, but if your offense puts up 44 points, you're going to be good. Uh, so. The Chiefs absolutely blow out the Niners, like 44 to 20 or something like that. It's not necessarily, oh my God, the, the Niners are terrible. This is what happens when you run into like a buzzsaw team. That's, that's just going to occur. Them trading for Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. on paper, love it. Madden would have probably rejected this trade because it's like <laughs> an embarrassment of riches because you got Debo Samuel and you have a decent defense uh, back there as well. Brandon Ayuk, he's also a gadget player. The issue is that it's very well defined that like the Patriots don't draft running backs well. The Niners, I mean, uh, wide receivers well. The Niners don't draft running backs well at all. They've spent a lot of compensation over the past few years in Jared McKinnon, who's no longer on the team. Uh, Elijah Mitchell on IR. Now, you're going back and forth between you know, Raheem Mostert, he was also there. Now he's in Miami with Mike uh, McDaniel. So like, they have spent so much and they don't have anything to show for it. And now, they gave up four total picks for Christian McCaffrey. When he's healthy, complete game changer. I totally understand why they did it if they didn't have someone like Debo in the backfield or Brandon Ayuk. You know, I'm not sure how long it's going to take for teams to just figure out, mm, I'm going to let so-and-so beat us today and we're just going to sell out to stop McCaffrey or we'll sell out to stop Debo. It's going to happen. So I don't feel terrible about an NFC West rival leveraging the future for a win-now mode because, you know, they were going to be like, hey... Jimmy, thanks for your service. Sit on the bench. Wait a minute, Jimmy. Come off the bench. Hey, we're not going to do any more chasing running backs. Hold on. Here's a running back we're going to chase. Like The next thing to do, honestly, is just go win the Super Bowl. And if you can't, I mean, all the lines have already been written. All the pundits will already be talking. So I respect the move from a football fandom standpoint. Uh, but from like looking at the numbers, like the cap hits and the amount of draft capital you spent to not have a decent running back, mm-hmm. it, it seems like a little too late for me. Personally, yeah. Um, I thought that was gonna. I mean, I figured it was gonna be a little bit of time before he came out and was uh, a major part of that offense. They said they had a whole playbook for him. 
I don't think this is a very good sample size, but it's kind of what happens yeah. as this goes forward. All right. Um, I had Giants, Jaguars, and these New York teams continue to just pummel other teams. Um, for some weird reason, they went into this game, I'm pretty sure as an underdog, which was a little interesting. I think all the New York teams, other than, well, I think the Jets went in as an underdog also. Um, but it was another game they came in. It was against the Jaguars. You don't really expect all that much. Daniel Jones didn't have to do a ton of work. He had 202 yards. Uh, only had to throw for one touchdown. But they're a team that continues to find ways to win. Like, if you look through the entire list of players, there isn't any one person on that team that stands out. I mean, Saquon had 110 yards, but that's kind of what you come to expect. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. They had a pretty significant injury. One of their rookie tight end, Daniel Bellinger, uh, had like a fluke eye injury where he ended up being rushed to the hospital, and they're kind of unsure what's going to come from that. He may need surgery. They haven't really given out much in terms of the extent of the injury, but if you're debating on having surgery, then it's probably a big deal. But he's been a pretty good playmaker for that for that team. He's kind of exactly what I've been saying. The the Bucs have been missing with some sort of inside threat, multi-purpose tool type guy. Um, so it might be interesting to see how this progresses if he is out for any extended period of time. Tina Jones has been playing pretty well. I've seen a lot of uh, conversation as to whether or not he is the quarterback of the future for the Giants. But, I mean... They're six and one. A lot of their games have come with like eight with a, a spread of eight points or less, which you know, I think sets a record or is tied for a record and as far as teams to do that. Um, but it's I don't know. I get the feeling that they're a team that's slowly building momentum. I need to see a little bit more strength of schedule. I need to see them go up against some better teams before I'm really willing to say that like this is a, a legit team. But six and one, you can't argue with six and one they got uh the seahawks the texans and the lions coming up next so it could very well go nine and one by the time this is done they follow with the cowboys and then it comes the commanders and then it's the eagles the commanders again the vikings um and then they're back to the eagles like so basically you think they're going 17 and one no, 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 no. I think the Eagles, the Eagles are going to be their biggest threat. The Cowboys might, um, you know, if they struggle a little bit without that tight end, um, I think they face a little bit of a bumpy road. So one of these teams, I mean, you face the Commanders twice. You're not going to beat them the same way both times. So those are always sketchy games, especially when you play them twice in three weeks. That's they play them on the the fourth, and then they play them again on the 18th. So that's not a very big stretch of time. That's not a lot of big differences in game plan when you go up a team, you know, that quick. But those Eagle game, the the uh, the Eagles games they play uh, towards the end of the season. They play December and then they play the beginning of January again. I think those are probably to us. I think Hells. the Eagles are a legit team. Um, depending on how well Dak comes back, once he kind of gets back into the fold of things, they may kind of flirt with that you know that division a little bit but right now it's the eagles division to to hand over so interesting game i'll keep uh i'll keep betting on them 
uh, like I have been. But interesting. It'll be interesting to see what it looks like next week. I already know your pick for next week. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, Cowboys Lions. We both picked this game correctly, mm-hmm. so I think we can both cover this one. I listened, you know, I listened to the the pod just like any other other listeners of the Sassamere podcast. <laughs> and what I was saying last week goes, oh, if Dak comes back, knocks the rust off, throws all over the place. This this could be an interesting game. The Dallas defense just decided with no DeAndre Swift and no Amon Ross St. Brown for the Lions that they were just going to key off. And they got, they got, I got me a lot of fantasy. Very much. Thank you for that. A lot of forced fumbles, a lot of sacks. I believe there was a, um, there was a touchdown, uh, a defensive touchdown in this game as well. So they, they did what they needed to do. Uh, initially on the offensive side of the ball, Dak didn't look fantastic, but, you know, got them down the field. Um, and then when the receivers couldn't stretch it across the goal line, here comes Zeke. Uh, punching it in a couple plays later. So, yeah, a very good get right game, I thought, for the Cowboys. Um, I was kind of disappointed that the Lions didn't put up more of a fight. To me, it just seems like without Swift and Amon Rossi Brown, there's no one else that's really going to separate because the tight end uh, has to be Hawkinson. He, he's got to be in there pretty much blocking, or else Jared Goff's just getting thrown around like a rag doll for his life. Oh, yeah. So, I, I just feel like the Lions at this point in the season, should have like a backup plan. You know, what, what are they going to do going forward? I know that they, they actually got the draft capital for, uh, for golf there, but like there's been a lot of stuff like controversy with, like, with QBs, and I just sort of wonder, you have a young core, young nucleus, and it might be time to just go get a rookie quarterback next year. I'm not, I'm not telling them to throw games, right? They, they have picks. They, they've made some trades. I think they have the capital to be able to move around and kind of do it, but I feel like the way that this team is going right now, because of their lack of a zag, when it matters, um, that they might need to do something for the future. Yeah, I mean, you can credit Dallas' defense all you want. Um, I mean, there's there's no taking away what they were able to do, but man, the offense looked terrible. Goff. It, what, what's funny and, and frustrating about Goff at the same time is that when he has decent games, he finds ways to give it up because uh, it, it's rough. He he went 21 of 26 and had 228 yards. You're like, oh, that's great. He also had two interceptions and two lost fumbles to go along with the other two forced fumbles that happened in this game. And it's like, dude, I, you, I, you want to pull for the guy. Obviously, he had some success. Before he got traded, but you, you know, I I can't say I watched under a microscope all of the Lions games this season, but something is definitely not right in terms of of how these guys are playing together. Uh, he's not getting rid of the ball fast enough, which tends to. Be, I mean, he's either not seeing the game well, or they just don't have the receiving core to to you know make space like you were saying and and give him opportunities, but it's, the offensive line, they aren't doing shit to protect him. Like, the dude is constantly under duress, so that fear, when you know your stars are not in, and you're not able to connect with those guys, it's there. It is there. I mean, he was sacked five times. I mean, it was just a, a terrible game for the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, they did an okay job, uh, you know, holding Dak to 205 yards. And only one touchdown, but their goal line defense just couldn't stand up. Uh, couldn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, they had a forced fumble also, which 
they ended up recovering. So there's some takeaway, but for the most part, you know, and you can only blame them so much if your offense isn't capable of of keeping their offense off of the field, then you're basically relying on your defense to play an entire game solo. And, you know, there's a couple teams that tried that this weekend and it did not go well. This one in particular just happened to be the worst of the bunch. Uh, yeah, four turnovers by a quarterback. I mean, we saw what happened with the Patriots game, which we'll get into here in a second. They had, <laughs> they had Mac Jones on such a short leash. They gave him six throwing attempts before they decided to listen to the fans and jump to Zappy, and that didn't go well. But uh, when, you're, when your team's not taking care of the ball, shit's going to get ugly, your defense is going to get tired, and it's just, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, better days are ahead. I'm I'm sure coming for them. But uh, like I said, nice nice get well game. I'm gonna quickly cover Houston Las Vegas because I got to get my popcorn ready for this <laughs> Patriots Bears pick that you got laughably uh, wrong. Um, and by the way, you were such a curmudgeon on on social media, just complaining about Ooh, fans this and fans this curmudgeon. So my entire yeah. news feed. I'm was... sorry, that's the algorithm. <laughs> Was people so hard for Zappy? It was just disgusting. Like the I guy did my won. part too because I made sure that all the mutual friends that we have, I like their status. Oh, <laughs> dude, it was right, so insufferable. So yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, so so Actually, going let's, in, let's get into it. Let's get into yeah, it. Yeah, let's just dive right in. Um, so. <clears throat> Going into this one, I thought, okay, it's probably going to be a little bit of a close game. Not the greatest weather. Quarterback coming off of an injury. Missed some time. You know, let's just see how this goes. Uh, did not go well at all. Um, Justin Fields, at least in the first half, was out there running around like Lamar Jackson, just extending plays. Uh, it wasn't poor tackling. He was doing a great job of just keeping plays going and avoiding contact. We had the man scrambling for his life. He was just able to avoid a lot of that contact. And in some case, like our defense looked horrendous this entire game. It was like <laughs> at one point, Justin in the third quarter goes back, hikes the ball, takes a couple steps back, fumbles the ball while under pressure, manages to scoop the ball up, about 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage, and then scramble all the way to a first down. It's like, what the hell is going on? Like, Justin Fields isn't that guy. Is our defense really that bad when it's it has been sort of the mainstay of this team for the entire season as they navigate this new post-Tom Brady world and Mac Jones gets comfortable? But holy shit, the amount of people who were calling for Zappy from the beginning. It's the Zappy era now. It's Zappy time. Shout Zappy out to... Hour. Oh, my God. Shout out to John Paul. I've <laughs> caught the Zappy bug or whatever he was. I'm like, dude, guys, he's won two games. Let's look back at all the other quarterbacks we know that won two games, three games, four games, and went to complete dog shit. Like Trevor Lawrence is a name that comes to mind. <laughs> Jared Goff is someone who comes to mind. Like there are there are guys who have had strong starts and now are relegated to you know lesser teams and backup roles. 
I'm not down on Zappy. I think the dude is incredible. I think we'll either keep him or trade him to a team for a bunch of drafts going into the offseason for a team who's looking for a quality backup and future starter. Wink, wink, nod, nod, Lions. Maybe you should give him a call. Uh, from what I understand, there's a little connection there. Um, but Justin Fields, thir- 13 to 21, 179 yards, one TD, <laughs> one interception. Four fumbles. Four. We didn't recover a single one of those fumbles. Not one of them. Our defense is the reason we lost that game. There were some offensive struggles, but every time they had the ball, they were scoring for a vast majority of that game. It wasn't until, I think, later in the third quarter, the beginning of the fourth quarter, they they found ways to hold them. Um, But not many. They were either getting field goals or touchdowns Every single time, but I know everyone everyone wants to talk about it. Mac Jones, who Bailey Zappi, who should they start? It didn't help that coming into this, they got them all hyped up, and then he came in and they let him. Uh, all right, as soon as he came in, he ended up throwing like nine completions for 113 yards and a touchdown. That was a great look, and then that was about it for the rest yep, of the game. That was it. <laughs> Because those nine passes were great, then the other 20 were garbage. Yeah. He finished with a 67.4 rating. He had 185 yards, which in theory sounds great. But for a kid who didn't throw any interceptions, he now has two interceptions on the day and a lost fumble. All in, you know, three quarters and, and some change. But I mean, you got to give credit to Matt Eberflus and, and Rokon Smith, for example. Um, you know, the, the Bears defense. They, I don't, I don't want to say they kept it simple. There was definitely some confusing looks. They definitely tried to stick on top of people as much as possible, but they were aggressive. They and knew they that just, there was, there was something there that they could exploit, whether that, it was confusion right. about whom is going to start at quarterback for the Patriots. I don't think they were really worried about that. I think they were just worried about, we need to set a tone. We need to kind of get some things going, get the momentum headed our way, and then We'll just trust the offense to, to do what they need to do. And you, you see Fields make a couple incredible plays, and then you know the defense starts to believe. I, I'm a very big fan of believing that momentum and superstition comes out of they, they can definitely go hand in hand. And, and a team who can't calm down when it's happening to them, it's like watching a train wreck in slow motion. They're like, fuck. Yeah. Why and did I, we just allow them to convert a first and twenty? And one of the conversations I kept saying to every social media post that I responded to because I was I was ready for the smoke last night was that <laughs> like <laughs> this is this is first of all it's a defensive problem second of all the kid won a couple games but every game he plays is a new game and a new series of tape that teams then have to watch and it's only a matter of time before they figure out what it is that's beating them the guy's pretty short which means all you have to do is tell your offense or your defensive line or uh, any of your pass rushers, just stick your hands up. I'll credit it. One of the interceptions was a was a tipped ball that went almost straight up in the air and just happened to land in a defender's arm. But the other one was just a bad throw. The fumble wasn't great either. It just nothing about last night's game other than that first opening drive, which you came in, your adrenaline's pumping, every everything's firing on all cylinders. Great. Came in, gave a good look. If you back that up with another scoring drive or a field goal, cool. But dude, you went to shit afterwards. You had a hundred and 
It's like 115 yards in nine throws. You went on and only completed five other throws for 80 or for like 70 more yards. It it disappeared quickly, but more interesting is I wonder if there was some form of like undisclosed injury or complication with with Jones return because or like an agreement like we're going to put you in for two series see how you handle it because he was like running and yeah. they're in the broadcast you know Buck and, uh, and Aikman were saying well it appears the ankle is holding up well but like what does this mean for like the rest of the season going forward and then we yeah. were all shocked like when Zappy just comes in we're like what the fuck is going on here like yeah so maybe, maybe there was something that that, that Bill agreed with yeah, them people were like cheering and and someone who was at the game was saying like Mac Jones jerseys are being thrown from the balcony like how oh, spoiled and in like we did the same thing when Cam came in and everybody was losing their shit you know and then they they switched to Jones and Jones was the new savior he gets injured yeah and he was playing extremely well coming into this game I mean, he missed a bunch, so, you know, if you looked up his, his season rankings, they all plummeted down to the bottom of the list because he was out a couple games, but he was still, like, fifth overall in yards per attempt behind uh, Mahomes, Allen, uh, who else was on that list? Can't remember who else was on there, but like, he was playing well. The team rallied around him. He was a pro bowler last year. The team voted him as captain, and now suddenly... We're already moving on because he got hurt and then stumbled on the return. Now, you have a shitty offensive core built around him. He's trying to do what he can. He's coming back off of an injury against a Bears team that is, you know, surging and playing very good defense. I didn't I didn't see a single zappy post after the game. That's I haven't right. seen one at all today. That's right. It's like, talk about putting Not your foot in the exactly mouth. exactly we trust. Yeah, let's call him in. Let's call him in. Oh shit! He gave the ball over three times. Jones so threw an interception. Is it fair sure, to say did, you're not but... so you're not so zappy with the outcome? <laughs> uh, if we didn't have a team left, I would say, all right, folks, time to end it here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not sold on everybody else. There's 37 yeah. minutes and 14 seconds of possession time for the Bears. It's hard to about, win a game when, yeah. when the other team has the ball for that long. And yep. a couple of those uh, picks were extremely atrocious. So that definitely yes. that definitely didn't help. But uh, no. who knows? Who knows? I, I think I think it was just probably a dress rehearsal for Jones. I think they wanted to test to make sure that the ankle was going to be able to handle it. Yeah. Um, you know, he was rumored to have a high ankle sprain. It takes weeks sometimes to get back and have any sort of cut or movement without incredible pain. And yeah. the fact that he was out there and he was able to mostly keep it together like a lot of people forget that like he he did a majority of the work before zappy came in and zappy capitalized on that they got the touchdown mostly probably because i think the bears didn't think that that zappy was going to play they just thought oh we're going to prepare for jones uh and then whomever they happened to be prepared for eberflus definitely had the team prepped and ready to go but yeah it was the patriots always always have one of those like primetime games every couple of years where it's like this weird gray like mist it's like absolute <laughs> shit weather. And like, as a football fan, you have to be hammered in those stands. You can't be like, you know, out there like, oh, this is great. You know what I mean? Like, it's just oh, shit, gray weather. It's at night too in, in New England. So it's probably cold. You know, you're just yeah. like, all right, we're going to just heckle. <laughs> but when you heckle your own team, that's not good to look Patriots fans. So. No, they're like booing for them and everything. It was, I don't know. It was, 
at least once a year, I, I find myself like thinking to myself that, okay, New York, I can see why people hate New England fans. I mean, every team, you could say oh, that about all of them. Rare introspection moment. I, I fucked with it. No, I mean, I've said this before. It's, it's why I've said, like, I sound like a spoiled brat by saying, you know, I'm looking forward to a losing season. Like, I get it. It sounds bratty <laughs> and wishing. spoiled. It's and happening. Here, I mean, here we are. I'm here for it. It's We're happening. three and four right now. Oh, my God. Oh my god. Tell me about your team. Tell me about your last team before I hang up this call immediately. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I had Texans, Raiders. I said, look, the Raiders, they got to get it together here. They're at one and four. They got to start stacking some quality dubs. Uh, And I thought this is a quality dub. Uh, If you actually take a look at both teams' comparison, the Texans actually had just as as many yards as the Raiders did. The one thing that the Texans didn't do, though, was stop a one Josh Jacobs. Three touchdowns, 20 carries, 143 yards for seven and a quarter carry. That is insane. It's like every time the Raiders need a first down, call the run. The Texans act like they'd never seen that play before, even though they had just seen the play a drive prior, two plays prior. They just got amnesia. They were like, this game went into halftime, like mostly tied, and you're like, oh shit, like, this is going to be a good game. Maybe the Texans have something here. Maybe Lovey Smith is doing something. And then in the third quarter, Raiders settled down. In the fourth quarter, they opened a can of what pass. Um, Derek Carr only had one pass touchdown. Less than 250 yards, 21 for 27. Just Josh Jacobs. If, if, you, if you have that going on, you don't need to do anything else. Uh, I, I thought this was a decent win, and it was important given the context of everything else happened in the AFC West because <laughs> the Broncos. Didn't start Russell Wilson because he had an injury, which we alluded to was a possibility on the last pod. Uh, and they lost to the Jets 16-9. The Chargers lost to the Seattle Seahawks. So it was very, very crucial that the Raiders notch a dub so that they don't lose their front runners. Do I think they're going to beat Kansas City? No. But I also think, like we said in the beginning part of the season, the Raiders could make the postseason, but a lot of stuff has to go right. And the AFC West is a very tough division. They need to get wins wherever they possibly can. I thought this was good for them. I love the fact that they put on 21 points in the fourth quarter. They were going to win that game anyways. Halfway through the fourth, they knew they were going to win it. And I respected that McDaniels was like, fuck you guys. We're going to keep scoring. Because sometimes you see in professional football, there's a courtesy. Oh, we're up two scores. Uh, We'll run the ball here. You know what I mean? And maybe it's a gentlemanly agreement between the two coaches. Maybe not. Maybe it's an unwritten rule. And it's a faux pas to run up the score on someone like a mercy rule in baseball. But I, as a fan, absolutely love it. Put on 21 <laughs> points in an entire quarter and give them a fifth quarter, put on another 24 points. Like sometimes a team needs to have the snot beat out of them and losing by 18 points is a pretty good, pretty good indictment on who the Houston Texans are. They're one, four and one. Now their spiritual leader, their front office savant, Jack Easterby kind of, related to Cal McNair and that whole scenario with a, a bad organizational juju, maybe him leaving was the last demon that the Houston Texans needed to exercise. We will see. 1-4-1, one, and one, Houston is toast. They're not making the postseason. <laughs> um, but I, I appreciate that they kept pace and that they stayed in the ring just as much as I appreciate that the Raiders kept dealing body blows. I think it's very important to the identity of a football team that you don't lay down. Um, and you could make a case that the Texans did that by letting Josh Jacobs just do whatever he wanted. But 
at the same time, it wasn't like Derek Carr was lighting the world on fire. You know, he has a couple of those games where he's a throwing savant and a, a couple of the games, you're just like, you threw it 30 times and you only got 250 yards. Like, I think I could do that, which I mean, there's no way I could, <laughs> but like, you know, it's a plausible thought that goes in your head, you know, 250 yards and one touchdown passing is not, and no touchdowns rushing is not usually enough for a quarterback to win a game. So if you were to give me these stats and tell me that the team that scored 38 points was the Raiders, I would have been mostly confused. Yeah. Uh, I just want to know what brand of eyeliner Derek Carr wears. <laughs> it's probably MAC Cosmetics, you know what I mean? Probably, probably the same thing. That, or it, actually, I'm not even going to go into that detail. I, I've spent too much time in those stores, so I don't want to I don't want to uh, give out any of the product names because then you'll just uh, think all kinds of stuff. Tell me more. Okay, well, you, uh, no, ah, I see what you're doing there. No, 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 no. no. Ask your wife. <laughs> I'm asking you, it. though. You seem to be the expert on Mac makeup, which is new to me, and I'm here for it. You know? It's, no, no, it's that. It, it's, I, I wonder sometimes when the players put the, the anti glare stuff like on their eyes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think Tua, or there's like another player that like makes like a cross out of it. Like, okay, whatever, dude. Yeah. But there are people like, you know, I see. Exactly. Like Edelman, Edelman just did the like the one line on other side. Like I respected that. You know what it's I mean? Called when Tom Brady black. does it, he looks like, you know, pus and boots. Like I don't understand why he's doing it. Right. But then it's like some people are just like Derek Carr, especially. He takes it. Everyone else like put it on his cheek and he goes, What if I close my eyes and just bat me? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he's just got like the thinnest I know he oh, doesn't, yeah. but it always looks like he's got the thinnest little like veneer or the little line of he looks like an emo kid. He's gonna go straight like emo rock band. Uh, as a former emo kid, I didn't I didn't go full all the way with the makeup, but as a former emo kid, I, I know what you're talking. <laughs> we know. All right, let's get into these next week's uh, games here. We we got to start. We got to start with the with the big old auger hawk in the room, okay? Because we both are picking Seahawks Giants as one of our games next week, which must mean that you're picking the Giants. And yeah. I'm picking the Seahawks. Yeah. So if that's the case, I need you to make, I, I need you to give me your reasoning. Why are you sticking with the G-Men over a team that just thrashed the Los Angeles Chargers? Because it's the Chargers and it's not how, exactly how the, Chargers, the Chargers. The Chargers of, of, of your, um, I don't know. I, I have no faith this season in anything that the Seahawks are capable of doing. In the beginning, you know Smith, I was like, holy shit, he's piecing it together. Maybe, maybe they're going to squeak out a decent team. I even asked you, Gino Smith was your guy. Um, right, but- you're right. And, and what did I say? I said, no, I want Drew Locke. And, you know, right now I look like a pretty big fucking idiot. So, <laughs> you know, all well, things considered. Well, didn't, maybe not uh, right now, maybe like always, but. Right. But didn't like Lockett just go out on injury? Isn't he no. out next week? Dekalen Metcalf, Metcalf. Uh, has a patella injury that's not going to require surgery. He's trying to play this week, but I don't think he's going to. Yeah. No, no, no. So, but Lockett didn't have, you know, he was also coming off injury, didn't have a lot of catches last week. So that's open there. Um, so you, you just think that the reason why the Giants are going to win is because Gino? Uh, no, I just think the Giants are the better of the two teams currently. Um, Seahawks are four and three right now. I think the Giants have kind of found a little bit of a stride. Again, this is going to go back to that get-out-of-jail-free card with their tight end Swiss Army knife. 
who probably won't play this week. Uh, the fact that Saquon has found his game again and has been consistent week after week, he is up there in that RB1 conversation this season in terms of total yardage output. Um, I, I just think it's really tough to argue against that currently. I think that is, I think the Giants are finding their identity, whether Jones is, is that dude or not. I don't know yet if I could go that far, but uh, I, I just feel, and it's just a feeling, I feel like the Giants are a team who are continuing to improve while the Seahawks are a team that's just kind of treading water while they understand and figure out what their future may be, right? We're having a different conversation with the Giants, and this is a complete team. Is this the future of the team? This is what it's going to look like. And we don't even know who the quarterback is going to be for the Seahawks next week and whether or not all of their star players are going to be there for the next few. And I just, they just don't feel like a complete team overall. And when you start matching them up against each other, Seattle tends to score more points than Seattle uh, than the Giants do, um, while the Giants also allow more points per game. It seems like in the last two or three games, they've really sort of found their footing and are playing well on both sides of the ball. And I think there's just too many inconsistencies right now with the Seahawks. I, I would counter that. And of course, being a homer, okay. I'm going to do that. So you talk about Daniel Bellinger earlier. Oh, he's the tight end. They're doing something with the tight end. Yep. Damn, the fucking Seahawks don't have a tight end. Uh-huh. They don't have two tight ends. They have three tight ends uh-huh. that use in regular rotation. Will Disley, UW graduate, Noah yep. Fant, when he stands up, National Phantom. And you got Colby Parkinson who looks like what Luke Wilson used to look like, having this super long, mangy, you know, uh, grunge hair, look like he could yep. be a bass player for Nirvana back in the day. Absolutely love it. The thing that makes the Seahawks great right now, Gino, high percentage throws. Gino checking into things at the line of scrimmage, complete command of the offense, not being asked to do anything wild. Yep. There is a lot to love about the Seahawks. They have made some mistakes early on in the season. Those are character losses that a Pete Carroll team capitalizes on. I'm not saying the Giants don't have a quality loss yet. They have a couple that they've eked out. They almost lost against the Jaguars, except the Jaguars receiver couldn't find a way to slip out of the defender's you know, arms to get the ball across the line. We could be mm-hmm. talking about a 5-2 and two team right now, and it would look right. a lot closer. But here's what I want to say. Total yards per game. The Seahawks are ninth. The Giants are 19th. Giants are second in rushing yards per game. Seahawks 10th. Passing yards, 30th. The Giants, 30th in the league. Seattle, 15th in the league. When you take all that stuff together, I'm not saying that the Giants can't come in and sneak this because the last time the Giants played in Seattle, Colt McCoy led the team to an epic win and Russell Wilson was the quarterback then and I couldn't fucking believe it. It was like seeing the beginning and the end and I'm like, what is going on here? How did the Giants win this game? That being said, going forward, let's take a look at Kenneth Walker, the third, okay? absolute stud can cut on either foot and just run it. If there's an open lane, 60 yards gone. Sounds a lot like Saquon, doesn't it? If you're going to go and then say, hmm, who is a better wide receiver? You really want to tell me that the Giants wide receivers, Darius Slayton, Wandale Robbins, Marcus Johnson, Darius Toney, Richie James Jr. are better than if DeKalen Metcalf plays along with Tyler Lockett? You're not going to make that case to me. I'm not going to believe it. So, well, to me, this comes down to quarterbacking. Mm-hmm. If we're going quarterbacking, whom has the advantage? 
is not one Daniel Jones. I just have to say that. I'm, not, I'm trying Smith. hard not to be a homer and be objective here, but like, it's not a thing. It's well, not a thing, Bob. If, if, and let, if we take and consider passing defense comparative between the two teams, Seattle's actually 23rd to Seattle's 15th ranked oh, this okay. season. Except Tariq Woolen, absolutely electric rookie. They, they give up they his give first up touchdown average, of the season last they, week. They give up an average of 249 touchdowns, uh, 249 all yards of, per game. All of those, all of those stats are based off of the first part of the season where a Pete Carroll team typically suffers. Then they have a midseason players only accountability meeting, and they turn shit around, which is why they were able to hold an electric Chargers team to 20 some odd points. Was that and they a just capitalized? They kept pun? the momentum going. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, but uh, that was terrible. And I mean, you, you know, you, can so I take keep, it back? I'm not, I'm not quite no, zappy about that one. Let me take it back. But, we, keep uh, talking, we keep talking about the Chargers like they're some superstar team. Like, I don't know where you're getting that idea. I don't think the Chargers I mean, are a great team at all. They're a pretty good team. They're a pretty good team. By whose standard? By whose standard? What, what do you mean? By, by the eye test? They're, they, the Chargers are a decent team. They're that a, that is they're quality four and three. Pick up. They're four right. and three. They're, Just like uh, Seattle is. So but, if the Chargers won that game, they'd be five I, and two. I don't think Seattle's a great team this season either. Ah, uh, what? Well, listen, I, again, I'm a homer <laughs> here, but I, I definitely think that it's very possible that the Seahawks could win this game in, in a sort of slugfest. I'm giving the nod. The, the, the Chargers lost. The Chargers lost to Jacksonville this year. The Giants almost lost to Jacksonville this year on a last-second play. I, I didn't so say like, that. I didn't say the Giants were a great team this year. I think they're a team that's figuring it out. I just don't think. I think I'm not putting as much stock in a Chargers win or win over the Chargers as like a, a season-turning moment. I think the Chargers are a entirely inconsistent team that anybody has a chance to beat. You, you still have to win the game. You still have to go out there. And sure. when they took a 17-point lead, and then a couple of series later, the Chargers are back in it, I was texting a friend, and I was like, oh, shit, here we go. This is a defense. Oh, here we go. We got a turnover. Here we go. We got this. And... For them to be able to, to stay calm and composed and keep up on it, I thought that was really good. I'm looking at teams Which that makes they, me believe they can do it next week. I, th I think that the Chiefs game is the one that I think everyone's kind of like blinded by thinking that they are a decent team because they almost beat the Chiefs, but then they almost lost to the Broncos. They had to go into overtime, and it was a fucked up call by the Broncos. This they should be at least a three and four team, at least three but they're and four not. Team. Because, because weird because shit happens. Because... In, weird shit happens in Seattle, Tim. I, I said this. Where's the game happening in Seattle? That's, so I'm like, I'm not fucking. I'm not picking against the voodoo. No, no, I'm, I'm, talking the the Charger, I'm talking about the Chargers Broncos game. Uh, oh, well, fuck that. I don't care. Where, where literally it was the dumbest play call I have ever seen. Instead of at the <laughs> end of that dumbest. game, yeah, second, second dumbest. Another second dumbest. <laughs> second dumbest <laughs> we're, we're by Russell it. Wilson. <laughs> We're past it. We're past it. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, anyway, I, 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 think, I, I don't know. I think uh, I think you're putting a little too much weight on that game. I mean, who? Do, I mean, Seattle. I was big on them in the in the start of the season. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not down on them. Big. I think they're they're a decent team. I just don't know if if I would look at a game like the Chargers game and say like, oh my gosh, this was this was season turning or the the Browns before that and the Texans before that. Those are the their their last three games were Seattle, the Broncos, the Browns, and the Texans. Three of those teams are fucking terrible. 
terrible team show up and win. They only the beat game. the Browns by two points, and they barely squeaked out a win against the Broncos. So in reality, they could have been like a, a two and five team if if they fucked around just a little bit longer. So anyway, anyway, we'll see. I, I, I will say it's it's been a nice. I'm gonna move on here, but it's been a nice catharsis seeing Wilson struggle a little bit and seeing Seattle also struggle, but not nearly to the same degree. Because then, like, you know, we're all kind of going back, like, looking through last 10 years with, with rose-colored glasses, and we're saying, oh, boy, maybe we maybe we should take some of those tweets down. We're like, fire Pete Carroll! <laughs> like, we, in Rust We Trust, like, my, my on this day in Facebook history is littered, littered with Rust, like, defense. And now I'm just sort of like, okay, we're not going to put that out this week. We're going to just remain cool, calm, collected. Like, when Carroll's like, hey, Keep it down. Just suppress. Just keep it down. We're good. We're good. And like, yes, yes, coach. I gotta do the same thing. So uh, yeah. we'll see. You're gonna get the you're gonna pick get the pick wrong, and I'm gonna I'm gonna relish this next week. Or I'm gonna be miserable. Right. Like one of the two things is gonna happen. All right, fair enough. Uh Ravens Bucks is the Thursday night football game. <sighs> the Bucks just got thrashed by a yeah. PJ Walker Carolina team without Christian McCaffrey. 21 to 3. Mike Evans dropped a, an easy touchdown, but like that's not even the best part of the whole game. It's just fundamentally, maybe like you touched on it last episode, there there's injuries uh, afoot there, and the team is in some sort of hangover right now. Yeah. That being said, prime time, the Ravens need this game to sort of keep up with the rest of the AFC because it is a it is a, a decent division this year. The NFC is not really that great, so the AFC playoff picture is going to come into focus a lot a lot clearer a lot sooner than the other conference. I think that the Ravens have to win this game. Um, and I also think that Tom Brady's going to play his ass off. Because we've just seen so much Tom Brady for the past couple of games. It can't be like this forever. It has to flip back to the upside down, right side up world. And that usually yeah. means scoring bonanza. And I'm just going to trust that this is a revenge game for Jason Pierre-Paul Jr. This is a Calais Campbell game. The Ravens will do what they need to do to win this game. I could see a 28-24 kind of game going on here. But there's going to be points. I think this is, um, I, and I could be dumb for, for even suspecting this, but the run game is the biggest deficiency for the Bucks by a large margin. They average like 64 yards a game. That's not going to do shit against yep. anybody, but their passing is sixth in the league, and you're going up against the team who has one of the worst passing defenses in the league. Uh, you know, we, we banged the drum to the missing tight end this entire uh, this entire podcast and, and the last podcast. I think this comes out as a get-right game. Their defense has been pretty stout most of the season. Uh, they rank fifth in total points allowed. The Ravens are 21st in the league in terms of points scored. So I don't, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, oh no, no, sorry, I, I misread that. Points allowed per game, they're twenty first to the Bucks, fifth. So I think this is one of those games. Uh, you got a, a short week. You got to bounce back, but you got a pissed off team looking to prove themselves. It's not very often you have a Tom Brady led team that sits under five hundred for very long like this. Yeah. This, Definitely could be the season. 
But I actually think this is one of those games because if, if you look back, even this weekend, I was so confused when I saw, I didn't get to watch the game, but when I saw the, the score come through and I clicked on the preview, it was unreal because I couldn't pinpoint where the failure came in because it wasn't like Tom Brady went out and had a, a terrible game. He had a pretty decent game overall. He had, uh, where's, where's the stat line for this? Uh, oh, let me pull it up here. He uh, he had like over two hundred yards. He didn't have any turnovers. He didn't have any he touchdowns have, either. He, but. he would have he would have had over well over two hundred and the TD if Evans. I mean, it's heartbreaking to see that like yeah. right in his breadbasket and Evans just like didn't quite fully extend his arms like it bounced and then he just uh, tried to make some strides. I don't know. This is just yeah. me. Yeah, like, like 30, 32 of 49 for 290 yards. Zero interceptions. He only got sacked once. He had no fumbles. It was not a bad game by Tom Brady. It's, it's, they have no run support. Like, Fournette is just not the guy. Like, he is not doing well. I mean, in terms of consistency week after week, they keep feeding them the ball. He had a total of 19 yards on eight attempts this, this last weekend. Uh, Rashad White, he had six attempts and 24 yards. Like, you're not going to win games if your defense, or sorry, if your run game isn't effectively keeping the defense in check. On it. And all yep. they had to do was just game plan around doubling Evans and Godwin and forcing you to go to, to some of these other guys. And just, they don't have another guy. There's just not another threat on that team that I'd be worried about if I was on the, on the defensive side. You, you shut the rundown and what, you have two guys to defend? Yeah, that's that's why your point last week about needing like uh, a separator like Gronk really really would help here. Um, yeah. All right. So you, you picked the Cowboys last week. I'm assuming because Cowboys Bears is one of your games this week, you're also going to pick the Cowboys to win this game. You would think so, but you're going to go with the Bears. I think so. Once I highlighted that is your pick. So, three, <laughs> two, one. Fuck yourself. Yeah, <laughs> this is yeah. Not your I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Bears. I think there's no, still no, no complaining if you happen to lose this one next week. Saying it. I, I, you know, I led you into that. You did force me into <laughs> in, into this one. It, uh, really looking forward to you getting none of these picks right. Next week, by the way. Um, I think Montgomery kind of showed that he is a force to be reckoned with. The uh. The Cowboys' rushing defense is 20th in the league. Uh, you know, they found a way to expose the Patriots, who had and have one of the best defenses in the entire league this season, and the Cowboys don't even stack up. They have great pass defense, but as we saw last night, that isn't exactly the bread and butter for this Bears team. It's all run, whether it's Montgomery or Justin Fields, who seems to kind or of Herbert. have figured it out, uh, getting around and, and, and making team, and extending plays and making teams find ways to stop them. If you're going up against a team that struggles with that, I mean, it's going to be really difficult to game plan and, and, and come up with like an effective way to do that. And he, and he did show that he can make throws. He, he was finding receivers last night. He was accurate on a lot of his throws. So... If you're a team that comes in and things like, okay, we got to show up our run defense, 
You're going to get exposed by some of these extended plays and these little dive, dunk, get out of jail, you know, cards that with, with like short play. I mean, with a uh, short yardage. So I don't know. I, I think the Cowboys are going to be a good team. I mean, they're five and two. They're already a decent team. But with that coming in, got some question marks, some rust. How's this going to look? I think the Cowboys are riding a little, I mean, the Bears are riding a little momentum. I think they might squeak this one out. It'll be a close game, but I think they squeak this one out. That's going to be wild. Uh, all right, last game I'm going to pick here, and I can't even believe I'm going to say this out loud, but I have to do it because I don't want to be known as a homer who just picked all the easy games all season. Commanders, Colts. Going with the Washington Commanders, here's why. First of all, Wentz, broken finger. Taylor Heineke comes in, beats. Aaron Rodgers, 23-21. And what was kind of a shocking game, I almost bought tickets to the game because they were so cheap, and I watched the highlights <laughs> of that game, and I fucking kicked myself for not going to watch the game because uh, Aaron Jones just got like 20 receptions, caught them all, got all the touchdowns, but it didn't matter because there's something fundamentally wrong with the Packers right now. I don't know. I, I don't think it's, it's wide receivers. I don't think it's uh, Aaron Rodgers. You know, postseason ayahuasca trips. There are people <laughs> that are wide open that cannot make plays. There are injuries like Randall Cobb coming back, having a concussion, Romeo Dobbs with the drops. Like Devontae seems to have been the glue that kept that offense honest. Yep. And that's hard to say because usually we talk about a defense being kept honest by, by your offensive playmakers, but it's almost like Devontae was the person who was keeping all those threads together. I will go out and do the lion's share of the work, I'll carry the cart. I'm going to take all the coverage. You guys just get open. And that's all you need to do. And now that that's not there, and Rodgers doesn't have a blow-off valve that he can just chuck it down to, yep. he's forced to rely on guys like Robert Tunyon, who is not as consistent as I think they would have liked him to be. Um, Lazard should have made that step. I don't believe that Alan Lazard right now is a WR1. I might be the WR1 on the roster, but I'm not, I'm not sure we're seeing the type of play from that. On the flip side, the commanders, yeah. very pissed off team. They're tired of being, you know, misunderstood. They're tired of being associated for their ineptitude with the owner, which to be frank, for a long time, the two are synonymous. But now there seems to be just a little bit of a fire underneath the ass of these commanders players. Brian Robinson, you know, you've, you've seen this story. Uh, he was shot twice in the leg, already off injured, injured reserve and, and trying to come back and play meaningful snaps. Like Terry McLaurin is still on that offense. Heineke has that ability to keep them sort of interesting and, and playing some games. And I think getting back to 500. That being said, the Colts are not starting Matt Ryan. They're starting Sam Ellinger, who is the yeah. former Texas, uh, sorry, Texas quarterback uh, in the NCAA. And Nick Foles is on the roster as the QB two now because Matt Ryan is no longer in the quarterback plan. I just don't yeah. understand this. This is a momentous like fall from grace. Like he was an MVP. They went to the Super Bowl. There were some bad offensive choices that were made in that Super Bowl that played heavily into it. But like, Ryan is not a super terrible quarterback, but because he's owed so much money, the Colts probably don't want to pay him in case he gets injured. So maybe he's a trade target. Maybe they'll have him go be a backup somewhere else. Maybe he'll just ride a clipboard for the rest of the season, which is not fair to Matt Ryan because there's no way Sam Ellinger is the quarterback of the future for the Colts. You know who yeah. is? Nick fucking Foles, <laughs> a guy that won the Super Bowl as a backup quarterback with this head coach in Philadelphia. It's an absolute travesty 
that they're saying, oh, SM Ellinger's the guy. It's best for Sam's development. No. What's best for our development as football fans is you put Nick fucking Foles out there and you let him do what he knows how to do. Like, the way that the Colts will look you in the face and say, you're the guy. Six games later, you're not the guy. You just paid me $17 million to say I'm not the guy? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's... I, it's, I just think that amount of, like, hot and cold, Katy Perry-level style, it's not good. It's not good. No, it's not, it's not good at all, and I, and, I, and I agree. I don't know if it's necessarily fair to, I mean, to, to pin a lot of these losses directly, uh, directly on him because, you know, two of the losses this season have come against the Titans. They played them uh, week four, and they played them week seven. Um, and that week four game, played his ass off he had was that the one he had uh yeah in week four this was his stat line uh hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on, hold on. Oh, we, we forget that, right like, here it is yeah taylor taylor's been injured right yeah 27 of 37 356 yards two touchdowns one interception yeah life comes at you fast in the nfl Three times for a total of 29 yards, which the longest was 44 yards uh, in terms of throw. He finishes 109.7 QBR rating. So, like, I, I just don't think this is something you can pin on him. I mean, I'm really looking forward to him being uh, the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers or the quarterback of another team. I don't know, like the Browns or maybe even the Texans. You know what I mean? Like the, the dude still has football left. He can play. I suspect yeah. he'll probably walk away. But this is something that, as an organization, they're doing him super dirty. Yeah, super dirty. This is a former MVP. This is a guy who's been on a Super Bowl caliber team. This is a guy who decided to come and play for you, and you're, you're not even giving him a full season. That to me just seems like we are too much. You know, as if if we were. Colts fans and, and Colts front office people. We're just too much victims of the moment. And we're just saying, nah, you know what we should do? Give it to the guy that we drafted that's been a backup this entire time. Like, if if teams like the Seattle Seahawks have been haunted by trying to replace all-time greats at running back until, you know, like, for example, Kenneth Walker came in. Well, I mean, the book's still out on him. We'll see if he's great. But, like, Lynch is a, is a franchise player. Everyone loves yeah. Marshawn Lynch for what he did for the Seattle Seahawks. What Matt Ryan did in Atlanta kept them completely honest for years. Yep. And the Colts have never recovered. They are haunted at the QB position because of how they did, I think, Andrew Luck and, and how that dude gave his body for the game and then through tears in a retirement ceremony was like, yeah, I got to walk away for my, own, for, the, for my own good. That team has never been the same since then. No matter how many times and how many faces they put in there. They didn't keep Wentz for a full year, but they gave him a full season before they shipped him off to the commander. So like, yep. you can't tell me that Sam has a much better command of the offense. I just, I don't believe it. And I think we're going to have a couple of really weird losses. And I think we're going to look at this and go, right, do we really think the Colts are going to beat the commanders? I don't think so. So that's why I'm picking the way that I am. All right. All right. So to wrap it up, I got Packers, Bills, and I don't think this one even needs to be a long conversation. I think the Bills are just, like we already said, something's off the Packers. They are not the same. Um, uh, Am I willing to pin it all on Rodgers? No, but do I think he's looking over the edge of that cliff a little bit more than what 
Brady might be doing at this point, and there didn't seem to be a lot of conversation about the cliff leading into this season, and that's all people have been talking about for Tom Brady for the last, I don't know, 10 years. Um, it seems odd that he's kind of snuck out without being the target of any of those conversations. Maybe it's because he's so outlandish and he has such crazy off-seasons that they, everybody kind of got distracted, but that team is uh, that team is a mess. That team is a total mess, yeah. and you're coming in against a team that is just on fire this season the last two seasons they've been progressive progressively better and better in my opinion i think they're one of if not my super bowl favorite they're in my like one of the three i would consider as having the most potential uh i mean josh allen is first in the league uh on first down percentage on third down percentage i mean the dude is just playing with his hair on fire. Uh, interesting enough. No, no, okay, never mind. So he is third. No, no, no. I, 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 I was gonna, I was gonna talk. There's not a lot of value overall because you know it's fantasy points. And but um, this season, right now, through six games, and this is one of those weird stats that people make up that don't really matter. But through six games, he has the most amount of. He's the third most fantasy points all time. Who would you guess he is behind? I'll give you number one because it's a long shot, Steve Young. But, but oh, maybe like maybe Marino. Uh, I'll say no, no, no. As recently as 2020. Oh, Russell Wilson. I mean, <laughs> 177.3 yeah. yards. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was just an interesting that popped up, but uh, he's. Just, I mean, yards per attempt, third down conversions, first down percentage, everything across the board. He's just first across the list. Um, I just, I don't see a team right now like the Packers standing a chance against a team like that. They're just in such a state of discombobulation and they can't figure it out week after week. Uh, you don't think that there's a possibility that like they played a lot of like kind of decent but shitty football and like this is not this is the the, the chance where like a players only meeting happens and Rodgers just freaks out and admonishes everyone they just come out like a caged animal and just let's loose you, you don't think nah. you, like do you think that like what do you do you think this is like rocky four when like drago just like just way land no I'm, you know I, what I mean? I, I'm wasting i'm wasting that feeling on the the bucks this week because i think they're gonna come out i don't know if the necessary like players only meeting thing has that much of effect on everybody and this team just looks so disconnected that i really just don't i don't think a conversation is the answer i think they need to make some like moves or they need to bring in another utility player for uh for rogers to be able to take advantage of because right now like they don't even pass the eye test right they look worse than a three and four team in a lot of the games that they're they're playing. I mean, they just there's nothing in their game plan that I think like, oh, this is the strong suit of yours, other than potentially their pass defense. That's been I think the one thing that, you know, they held teams to under two hundred yards more often than any other team. Um but their rush defense is terrible. They're like last they're twenty seventh in the league for that. Um but they're passing yards per game, they're 17th. The rushing yards per game, they're 18th. Points allowed per game, they're 
14th in points scored per game to 23rd. Like, not a single one of those stats screams to me that a, a closed-door conference with just players is going to make that change. That is a lack of talent or game planning or coaching or, or one of the actual staples of that team. The Bills, on the other hand, their second points scored. Uh, their defense is first in terms of points allowed. They only average 13.5 points per game. Uh, passing yards per game, their first. Rushing yards per game, their 16th. Passing defense per game, uh, their 11th. And rushing yards per game, defensively, their first in the league. So the, all of the matchups there that you would think, oh, this, this might swing one way or the other, everything Everything of major value swings towards the Bills. I think they're just playing too good of football. Could this be like a trap game and someone fucks around, or maybe there's like a someone someone goes in the tent for a concussion protocol and, and actually doesn't come back in the game or like an injury away, but I just I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. I don't think uh I don't think Rogers in his eleven touchdowns this season is gonna come close to what Allen and his seventeen touchdowns this season are capable you know, of doing. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. You yeah. and Rodgers may be more alike than you think, okay? <laughs> In the Kenosha News today, right? Yeah. Rodgers is quoted as saying, players-only meetings, that's for show a lot of times. But it could be time to look for more opportunities to crack the whip a little bit. We're seven games in, not everyone can be coached or held accountable the same way, but it could be that time. As Maybe. in, we're looking for wide receivers at the trade deadline. Show up or get the fuck <laughs> out. So, yeah. maybe... Maybe this is like a 34-21 kind of game. Yeah. They clearly, clearly lose, but they put the points up. They start to put the pieces together. Yeah. It could be. Um, I feel like I should be awarded points for guessing both uh, playoff series and, Super- oh, and, and World Series bursts, and you missed yeah. both of them. Both of them. Both. Uh, go Phillies. Fuck the Astros. Bunch yeah, of bitches. 100%. I, th- I think, like, unless, you're, unless you've been a diehard Astros fan and you... And you Took the weathering uh, that came with the obvious criticism for the way that they did the league dirty uh, and being caught for cheating the way that they did. Um, we are all Phillies fans. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I was even a Yankees fan for a minute there. Very so, yeah, minute. so was I. Not, but, not uh, happy about it, but you know, here we go. We, we, all, we all get time to atone for the sins. Yep. That will do it for this episode of Stats and Runner Podcast. We thank you very much for listening. Download, like, share, subscribe. Put it on a, you know, airdrop it to your, your coworkers. Uh, <laughs> talk about it in a meeting. Use the word stats. Don't matter. They don't have to be sequential, but just, you know, throw them out there in your, in your early morning meeting. See what happens. A lot, a lot of good karma, I'm thinking, is going to happen. Yeah. Yep, yep. Get video of it, Jeez. and we'll send some karma your way. <laughs> I don't know how we would do that. It's probably in the same place as the talent for all those Vikings. I'm not Vikings. Uh, Packers yeah, receiver. We'll, we'll send it in the form of, <laughs> of, of beer karma. All right. Oh, that would be great, actually. Maybe we need yeah. to do that. Maybe like we have to sage our picks. Well, actually, no, I can't sage my picks because I actually beat you for the first time in like you know 53 weeks. So I need to just I need to I know, but this. I'm about to land all three of these. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Famous last words. <laughs> all right, dude. Peace, everybody. Peace.